This is the inventor of Tetris. Your game is brilliant. I'm gonna make you a millionaire. Mr. Rogers, have you ever negotiated with the Soviets? We're here for Tetris. We see the stalker and the What do you say? I don't speak Russian. <laughs> And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here as we are in part two of our Yips, the year in preview series, as we talk about the potential Oscars players and awards or just plain movie calendar set up by studio for the 2020, what year is this? I want to say 2017? No, 2023 film year, correct, Mike? It's the 2023 film year, yeah. We're, we're heading towards the 96th. It is April. It's almost April. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are in a year in preview series. And yes, this is fine for us. This is par for the course. We've always done it this time of year because the Oscars have been late. And yeah, I think we've blown out this series and we're going to blow it out even further because we we have friends to talk to and we have more studios to focus on, which is a good thing. I, I think... You know, the fact that we're doing like three studios an episode is a good thing. So we're not going to we're not going to try and yada yada and go too fast. So today is going to be Apple, Amazon, Paramount, not in that order. Uh, And then next episode, we'll kind of do Sony WB Universal with a couple maybe uh, boutiques and then Netflix and all the rest. So that'll be good. Mm. And the, uh, the the reason we're doing Apple and Amazon and all that is because I was a dope and somehow prepared the wrong episode. No, no, no. You were very savvy in terms of the <laughs> right. news. So right. you understood that there sure. was a Killers of the Flower Moon uh-huh. story and it was prescient. Yes. And therefore we'll attack it now. And, and, and it's, not, it's fine. Because I'm already prepared for the next episode, so good, I'm ready. Good. So. And not that I started working on a document on page seven instead of page one. We'll go with that story <laughs> instead. Yeah, that's good. So that's what we have. Uh, you can go back and listen to part one of our year in preview series. I can't even remember the studios we did. I'm blanking right now. Well, we did A24, Disney, and That's Lionsgate, right. and we talked about John Wick Chapter 4 right Correct. at the top of Lionsgate, which I should review now. Go for it. Because, wow, it was it was a hell of a movie experience, especially for March, especially for you know getting, getting your action movie fix. And I, kudos to Lionsgate, because they're making a ton of money, 137 worldwide, Michael. Just you know how to make the, money. Oh, yeah, you, were, you weren't kidding about them yeah. being a cash register last episode. But I also think John Wick Chapter 4 should be an Oscars player, especially in VFX, but I think in sound. I mean, I never can be very confident in sound. We were joking about it in the pre-show because I can't really hear. You go to the movies not to listen. For whatever reason, yeah. it just washes over me, and I don't... I can't put my finger on big sound moments from John Wick Chapter 4, but I'm guessing sound. Cinematography, I remember some gonzo shots. So absolutely, I would love, that would be an inspired nomination. That overhead oneer in the Home Alone 2 setting. Oh, God, loved it so much. Uh, And then uh, editing. The the film editing was fantastic. So should John Wick Chapter 4 be a part of all uh, all five of those conversations, Oscar conversations? I would think so. I would guess... You know, it's going to have a shot at uh, VFX, and that, that'll probably be it. But, right. Mike, there are five next-level action sequences here, probably two all-time greats in wow. terms of, of, of fight scenes. And it's if you're an action fan, if you're an action epic fan, if you watch martial arts films on a Saturday because you're feeling kooky, you should go see John Wick Chapter 4. Make sure you do it. Uh, I uh, I think it's kind of an extra dumb story but i'm okay with that <laughs> like he doesn't need to fight his way through the entire city of paris is that what it is it's just like blowing up what was that like i cannot think of anything right now what was the movie the tower movie where they just have to keep fighting up and up and up well, the raid yes the raid good god i could not even think of the raid is that like just basically what john wick is at this point except in a city the Raid Redemption, uh, at least you understand that he's got to get up. There's one scene where you understand that John Wick <laughs> is down and he's got to get up. There's a stair fight, which okay, is fantastic. Good, good. But then there's like the Arc de Triomphe, and they're just cars going in a circle. And you would think the cars would just stop when they see like all the gangsters in Paris having a gun-slash-car-slash-fist <laughs> fight inside the, the roundabout, right. the roundaboot. Well, people got to get to where they got to get to. Canada and Mike I look I this is a two hour and 49 minute film chapter four two hours and 49 minutes you would have thought there would be a scene here or there especially in a goofy ass movie where the dialogue isn't great 
where I would get like bored, where I would get up and go to get a snackaroonie, right. where any of the large gentlemen I was sitting next to mm-hmm. would would get fidgety. We were locked in, man. It was a it was a good time at the movies. I'm giving John Wick Chapter Four B plus eighty nine all day. Wow, it, it was really strong. I think you need to get on that watch uh, of the one, two, and three. I've I heard know- nothing but good things about four. Like nobody said a bad word that I've seen. Well, I think now's the time because we're not sure what's in store for the future. So I don't know if you need the closure, but I, would I say did like this that is... that was the first headline out of it. It's like the door's not closed on John Wick Chapter Five. You think after an eight billion dollar <laughs> opening? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I would, uh, I would, I would like it to be the last one because there was a fitting end. Uh, four. I know a lot of people on Twitter have said as much, Eric Weber, etc. So uh, I'm rooting for Chapter Four to be the final chapter. I don't. <laughs> I agree with you. I think money talks, and money will probably say have a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. I guess. All right, so that's John Wick. That's closing the book on what Lionsgate has to offer, has offered thus far. Uh, we can start talking about Amazon, and they've already had one big release that rolls into a, a, an all too common and a big story. We unfortunately have to touch on. Yeah, Creed three in terms of the movie, really strong. Be all day. Michael B. Jordan directed it. He's a, a hell of a talent behind the director's chair. That's great. Loved his stylistic decisions, especially for the final fight. The final fight usually has this superimposed, like quickie montage where you go from round three to round nine. Right. Michael B. Jordan did something very different, and I loved it. So love Tessa Thompson in, in Creed three. This is like a shared distribution thing with. Warner Brothers, I believe, and Uh and all three parties, Amazon, MGM, United Artists, Warner Brothers, all three of those studios with Amazon as the overlord, they make out here because Creed is $246 million and counting in terms of a worldwide gross on a $75 million budget. So Creed 3 was a big hit. The sad news, though, around it uh, comes with one of the co-stars. Yeah, we got to touch it up and bring it up and talk about it. All right, Jonathan Majors, co-star of Creed 3. Obviously, if you're in the trades or you read anything, it was arrested over the weekend, charged with assault in New York. 30-year-old woman was taken to the hospital with reportedly minor injuries to her head and neck. That's via BuzzFeed News. Major's lawyer has maintained that her client is, quote, completely innocent and provably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows. Further, according to BuzzFeed, as of Monday afternoon, Major's attorney claims there's video evidence which will exonerate her client and that the victim has taken back her accusations of assault in written statements as well. Uh, There's also been uh, outlets saying that there's witnesses and there's all types of video uh, about this incident and altercation uh, yada yada yada. So, I think we've had a hard line on cases like this in the past, and it's for a reason. It's for a lot of reasons, really. But you've worked in a courthouse, and you've seen, and you've heard, and you've had to work in environments that have had to deal with these horror stories mm-hmm. in many a cases, literally, time and again for years, and. I, I think you could probably make a statistical judgment on how many are true uh, right. in terms of these claims and how many are not. And you, and you do say that most of them, most of the time, they are true. And but if that's they're not, not yeah. Right. I mean, they unravel quickly. Good. Most times. I mean, at least nine out of ten times in the news, it seems lately. So this is not like a situation where we're in the crucible of the old right. pilgrim days. So when when we say something like believe victims, it doesn't necessarily mean that we throw the justice system out of the water. I I am dismayed, let me just say, by mm. the male backlash on t- film Twitter and the male backlash out there. And it is something that goes against the quote-unquote believe victims mentality, but the believe victims mentality is not something that put, puts their nose up at the justice system. Believe victims is saying, quite simply, the baseline is that you err on the side of caution and right. you make people safe you make sure that the the people that are making the claims are made safe you make sure that the claims are seriously investigated and it's that simple in this instance the fact that you have to call it a quote-unquote arrest is probably where everybody gets hung up on it but ultimately they made the party safe she went to the hospital he was he was investigated there was physical evidence in this situation and now he's lawyering up, and, and he's hopefully going to make his case. And, and and if he is innocent, Michael, again, we go back to it. People were made safe. 
That's why you believe victims. That's why we're not in these draconian olden days where everybody assumed that people were lying and therefore people were made vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately uh, afterwards. Uh, I think well said by you. And yeah, I mean, believe when I say believe victims, it's for that reason. I always have the belief that like, you know, if especially when it comes to famous people who can hire, hire high power attorneys, if these if any claims are false or completely made up or, you know, made out of exploitation, they tend to unravel quickly is, is mm-hmm. kind of what I what I said already and where I stand by. But I mean, this sucks. It's like it's just getting exhausting looking up to anyone in this industry because it seems more and more we're only a matter of time from any person and you know far too often it's usually any male person being discovered to at least be alleged to have done some kind of heinous act and i mean the bottom line here is that a woman went to the hospital you know, like, I, I know you're feeling down. I mean, that's not necessarily true like anybody. But at the same time, right. there are Twitter accounts belonging to other filmmakers that have worked with majors from the past in, in his Yale days, in his New York City theater days, that have hinted at past ro- other wrongdoings, other past wrongdoings as well. Now, are they lying? I, who the hell knows? We right. don't know. Of course we don't know. Like, this is why... You know, you made the tweet you did, and we're we're upset about it. We're upset about the whole situation. Of course we are. Yeah, and I, like I said, I mean, like, regardless of how you feel about any of this, like a woman went to the hospital, so something happened mm-hmm. to her to end up where she the, the judgment was assessed that she needs medical care. Like, yeah. that's this it's disheartening. It's dismaying. It's crushing. It's disappointment that we have felt here over and over again with people we, you know, looked up to and did respect at one point. So, I, you know, when you think about the victims, it exacerbates the circumstances. It exacerbates the disappointments, obviously, and the victims are what matters in these in this case. As far as when it comes to Majors and his career, I'm sure we'll have more fallout to having to deal with that uh, in the future. Right now, it looks not great. Uh, who knows what will come at the end of this? Like I said, his attorney has been very outspoken. He said that uh, his her client is very is uh, unequivocally innocent and that there's all kinds of evidence and witness statements pointing in that way and that she the victim has already withdrawn her allegation of assault i know he's been charged i know the army uh has mm-hmm. uh, obviously dropped their uh ad campaign with him at the center of it i don't know if that'll be repicked up depending on how this outcome what the outcome of this is and whatever i don't know like to me the bottom line with any of this is that it's really not hard to not put your hands on a significant other right so that's kind of where I land on any of this. But again, we have to mention it, it was a the, the huge news over the weekend. It's going to keep coming out. There's going to be other news to follow. But uh, we, 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 you know, talking about studio stuff, Jonathan Majors, who was seen as this big rising star throughout the year. And now we're going to see what impact this has. But I, I mean, whether or not you're talking about movies, whether or not you're talking about Jonathan Majors, what's important to mention here and what's important to remember is that there is a victim in the center of this who did end up needing medical care, who did end up hospitalized. And that's kind of where our, our thoughts should be, I think. And that's that's my stance on it. But uh, had to get that story done and through. And hopefully for the remainder of this episode, we can look forward and just talk about the movie side of things with all these studios coming up. Yeah, let's do it. So let's discuss uh, what Amazon has released already, and then we'll go into their slate. Obviously, they own MGM as well now. Uh, We'll begin with somebody I used to know. This is Allison Brie J. Ellis, written and directed by Dave Franco. I thought this was a cute rom-com, but I've read some recent reviews that I don't necessarily disagree with because it's not very funny. Somebody I used to know, it's not like this blowout funny movie, but it was entertaining from start to finish. But the reviews, uh, you know, are middling uh, on the major sites, but some of our friends are like deeply unfunny. <laughs> I guess I can't blame them if you were looking for a big laugh riot, but somebody I used to know was fine. I, I, All I, I know is it. that Allison Brie was uh, set up a, a prank on Instagram where she showed up at Dave Franco's hotel room completely naked to celebrate his movie coming out. So that's more pleasant to think about than anything we've mentioned thus far in this episode. She's funny, and yeah, she's she's jokingly a, a nudist in this movie. Maybe she was in real life. I don't know, but it, it was funny. They said there was some interview on some YouTube outlet where she apparently franco talked about how she went around streaking to her college roommates like window on the outside to cheer her up so nuding nude and allison brie apparently have no strangers to each other it's she's she's funny she she's funny in in life never mind uh and and in, in, in the movies. Uh, I also watched Reggie last night. This is a documentary about Yankees, Oakland A's. Is that uh, the one where he talks about how Bud Selig was going to help him buy the A's and then screwed him? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Reggie Jackson, the Yankee A, Angel, great Hall of Famer, is it, it, this is a doc through his words and 
based on his own words, it's one of those, like I just watched Pamela, A Love Story. I just, a lot of the big stars are getting these docu-deals on, on, on the streamers in particular. And, and it is like them taking charge of their own story. I watched the, the, the ex-prince Harry and Meghan on mm-hmm. Netflix a while back. And, and it's actually a smart move to get star power on your on your service, I would say. But Reggie Jackson here, it's a tell-all. It feels like as much. And, you know, he, he admits some some things he shouldn't have said. Like, he probably shouldn't have said what he said about Thurman Munson back in the day in 1977. It turned his teammates against him, and he understood why that happened. It's But it's, it's wild how what Reggie said back in the late 70s wasn't necessarily all that controversial <laughs> compared to what is being said now by people. I mean, it makes – like, you think about – you think about then and now, and like then was tame, and Reggie got in so much trouble for it back then, and I'm right. like, what the hell? I, I, so <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but well, it does make sense because it used to be a racist environment back then, mm-hmm. and therefore they, they, we've had to progress somewhat, and we haven't come far enough. And and Reggie talks a lot about that, but ultimately it is an uplifting documentary. It focuses on the sports, but it does move into the social justice of it all, and, and it is encouraging at the end of the day. I, I did see a clip of that. I think it might have been on TikTok or something, actually, where he talks about how he was in line to buy the A's, and uh, it fell through. So that looked interesting. Uh, we can move on to air, Michael. Directed and starring Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Viola Davis, Jason Bateman, Chris Tucker, Marlon Wayans, Jay Moore, and Chris Messina. Air follows the history of shoe salesman Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in its pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. So this is an early awards buzzy movie from Amazon, which is also a theatrical exclusive, which is now kind of Amazon joining this new trend of these former streamers, or I guess current streamers, who formerly were doing everything to dump money into competing with Netflix as exclusively streamers, are now pouring money into exclusively theatrical projects. And this is going to be the first of those. I wonder what repercussions this is going to have on Netflix going forward, as we know they they got to be reaching their breaking point soon with subscriber numbers flatlining, but now they've gained a little more momentum. I don't know how that business model is sustainable with when you're as big as Netflix is. At some point, you got to hit the, the, the point of no return with subscribers. You have to have gotten everyone you could possibly get, but I guess that remains to be seen. But as of now, Amazon and Apple, which we will talk about, are pouring money into theaters. It's the big story that Bloomberg's been covering for a while and that I think Amazon... Amazon had in mind for for a long time as well because let's let's face it Amazon has always had a theatrical component to to their bigger movies yeah uh, at least most of them uh, more so than other streamers lately yeah right so th- it's not a sh- surprising story with the theatrical momentum that we do have for Amazon to be there Apple on the other hand is is going to be a different situation however MGM brought into the fold I don't know the you know corporate logistics and which of the MGM people they're now leaning on to maybe help their distribution wing but that would make a lot of sense and they've played air really well it seems like people are interested in it we see commercials all the time on all the major sporting events the final four etc it played at south by southwest critics are big fans of it 100 percent on rotten tomatoes 20 reviews 77 meta score we got some critics that we know like will mavity calling it uh competently told feel-good drama that will likely appeal to your dad quote unquote and there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> would you say about got- like that We've got Valerie Complex in his fifth feature film, Ben Affleck's Talent, Succeed Expectations. He's grown as an actor and director, but is best when doing both. I like listening to Ben Affleck director, by the way. I've seen some Mm -hmm. clips of him giving interviews and like the press junket for this movie. I like, I mean, he gets, I was going to say he gets excited talking about directing, but I don't know that Ben Affleck gets excited period anymore. So he gets uh, involved, I'll say, when talking about directing at least. I think he emotes when he's uh, he's on the screen, not necessarily. But I liked his uh, Ben Simmons interview. Him and Damon did. I don't know if you heard that. Yet. I did I not. Know. No. Oh no, that went on on, on Bill Simmons. Right. You said Ben Simmons, which was a whole that'd be a t- totally different context. That would be a different context. <laughs> Although I would love to see the Affleck and Damon Ben Simmons interview. I'd sign up for that. Uh, just out of note here about Air. 
This stemmed from the 30 for 30, speaking of Bill Simmons, the ESPN 30 for 30 doc Soul Man, which came out in 2015, which is centered around Sonny Vaccaro and his impact on the college game through uh, the shoe industry, essentially. The co-director and producers of that 30 for 30 doc worked to get Vaccaro's life rights and ultimately got the original script for this movie brought in, which was then reshaped and changed by the uh, Boston duo there of Affleck and Damon. You retweeted something that I was dying laughing at. The movie, instead of air, should have been called We Bought a Shoe. Yes. Oh, who said? God damn it. Somebody said that. And I, 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 I was, that was so good. Yes. I was laughing at that when I saw it too. Mike, how excited are you for this movie? We've made fun of the marketing already. The marketing and Ben is, Affleck's oh, wig. The marketing is cheesy though, isn't it? I don't, you're in. I, yeah, I, listen. The fact that everyone's like so in on this being an awards player, we had Scott Feinberg on. He said he was really like all of this is kind of surprising to me because I did not see this trailer and think, well, that's clearly something that's going to be a big deal. I was like, oh, this is unique for Affleck and Damon to take on. It's kind of a niche story. I, I, I'm, I'm peaked. You know, my interest is peaked by that. I did not think we were entering awards territory at any point when I saw this. So I don't know what to expect. I will uh, we'll review it for certain. Uh, we'll keep the sports movie theme going because MGM UA has Challengers that has now moved its release date to September 15th. Challengers is directed by Luca Guadagnino. It stars Zendaya, uh, Josh O'Connor, and Mike Feist. Follows three players who knew each other when they were teenagers as they compete in a tennis tournament to be the world famous Grand Slam winner and reignite old rivalries on and off the court. Challengers is now rumored to be a Venice Film Festival premiere. Michael. All right, so Luca Guadagnino, right? We got uh, we got what do we got from him? Uh, Call me by your name. We got the uh, Suspiria remake. What else has Luca done? What's I'm missing one here, a big one. Well, he's done uh, I Am Love. He's done the, oh, what's the, til- every Tilda Swinton movie where she's on a beach, I believe. <laughs> okay, what was great. that great movie? Oh, God, <laughs> the pool, swimming pool with Ray Fiennes. I love that movie. Damn. I don't know, but I like that. It's just every, just if Tilda Swinton's on sand, Luca's behind the camera. We all know this. <laughs> Uh, let me see. A bigger oh, splash. I was a thinking of bones and all, by the way. That's the one I okay. missed. But yeah, okay. A bigger splash. So like, you know, very, very specific in particular movies about emotions and love and all of this and different takes on them and relationships. <laughs> if I were to give you that Luca Guadagnino was doing a movie with Zendaya and asked you to guess what the backdrop for the movie would be. How many guesses would you need before you landed on tennis? A lot. (laughs) A a lot. Uh, But, I mean, I guess I'm into it. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of old baggage brought in, so he's probably good at at handling the drama Mm -hmm. of that. I I do worry that these actors... They really do not look like professional athletes, and I've been watching some of the Netflix uh, series on on tennis. I am not. I do not co-sign this at all. Zendaya can do anything. <laughs> she. No offense to, to her or Josh O'Connor. They're in better shape than this guy. I'm pointing at myself, <laughs> but they don't look like professional athletes. It's just, it's silly. Like they they got to bulk up. Words. She's gonna they have got, a nasty fucking forehand. <laughs> I hope they bulked up. That's all I'm saying. I mean, both of them. They're, they're, it doesn't make sense. And Mike Feist, he's at, he's at least like a world-class dancer, Broadway dancer, so maybe he could pull it off. But he, they, they don't have the dimensions. You Your point is these... well taken. Like, when we, as sports junkies as we are, growing up watching all the sports movies from, like, the 90s especially, the biggest right. complaint was that these people clearly have never seen the inside of a baseball diamond or, like, a basketball court. Like, you have to make it look real on film to have the viewer who's actually a sports fan believe and they're not wasting their time so yeah obviously I, there's something to that that you hope that these actors can pull that off but again i'm not i will doubt that zendaya can do anything the moment i see her fail at doing something she she's also got a lot of training as a as a singer dancer too so maybe she's i i, I know she's an athlete we we saw her in um what was the greatest showman where she's Spider-Man. swinging on yes spider-man also <laughs> How dare I? We'll move on to some undated Amazon MGM products. We have Foe. This is Garth Davis, the director of Lion and Top of the Lake. 
Paul Mescal and Saoirse Ronan star and foe, which is set slightly in the future after severe climate change has ruined farmland. A farmer and his wife struggle on one of the last remaining farms until a knock on the door changes things. Yeah, so slightly in the future being like, what, two months from now? Oh, God. <laughs> no more farmland. Cl- climate change has ruined everything. I got you. I see where you're going with this, Garth. So Garth directed Lion, starring Nicole Kidman and Dev Patel from 2016, which was nominated for six Oscars, Michael, including actor, actress, screenplay and picture, as well as cinematography and score. And although Greg Frazier, who, who's, you know, DP of Dune and Luke Davies uh, are not involved with Foe, Garth Davis still brings like former Oscar noms into his crew. The editor of The Power of the Dog, Peter Shiberus, and the uh, production designer, Patrice Vermette, They've both been nominated a bunch, and uh, and in terms of Vermette, he's been a three-time nom, and he won for Dune. So Foe might be a bigger player than we think. I'm going to ask you a question that's absurd, and I want to see just how on the same page you and I are. What's the movie that's not Lion? (laughs) (laughs) What's the movie that was nominated for a bunch of Oscars that I think is Lion but isn't Lion? (laughs) That was also nominated yes, for a bunch of Oscars. Correct. So this would mean it has to be like, huh? Ah, you think? No. Here's the thing: the audience somehow knows you better than I know you. They would get it. Like Joe Messon's out there. He's saying screaming at his radio right now. Screaming at the radio. Very the one with the tiger, Mike. The tiger. On the wall, life, life, yes, of life of Pi. That's it. That's it. Life of Pi is what I think of every time I see Lion in print. Except it's it's Life of Pi, which I also think is a better name if it was named Shape of Water. And that's an insight into my brain. <laughs> I think you take some of this uh, stuff too literally. Is what I think. <laughs> Anyway, Garth Davis is an Australian. We haven't had a feature film from him since 2018's Mary Magdalene. Saoirse is Irish. She hasn't brushed up against the award season since Little Women in 2019. Paul Mescal, also Irish. He's taken no time off at all since his Oscar nomination last year for After Sun. Seven projects listed as upcoming, which are either in pre- or post-production on IMDb for Mr. Mescal there. Uh, a little bit of an international flair, flair to this one. Yeah, why not? Uh, Garth Davis... I think he's got, you know, he's already crashed through. So maybe he's one of those filmmakers that the Academy likes. So Mm. if he makes a good movie and it's just two great actors on a farm, on a dying farm in the future, it might work. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Saltburn. Saltburn, Michael, is perhaps getting more buzz than anything out there. Emerald Fennell, Barry Keoghan, Carey Mulligan, Rosamund Pike, Jacob Elordi, Richard E. Grant. The cinematographer for Saltburn is going to be La La Land's Linus Sandgren. And Saltburn has a very bland premise at the moment, reading, It follows an aristocratic English family. Yeah, do you think they called it Saltburn because the Wicker Man would be too on the nose for what's going to happen to poor Mr. Barry Cogan in this movie? I mean, he's dead. Like, I'm not, I'm not falling for this. You're going to tell me Emerald Fennell is teaming up with Carrie Mulligan and Gone Girl's Gone Girl, oh. and, and Barry Kilgan's just going to be fine? He's dead. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> Jacob's in trouble. Barry's in trouble. Uh, he might be in trouble as I'm not a falling for this. I'm going to get him out of there. <laughs> However, his career is in good hands here. She is uh, directed... Uh, she has directed a hell of a movie leading into this, A Promising Young Woman, MMO favorite there. Little Gold Men, Clayton Davis, uh, Eric Weber, they've all mentioned Saltburn as a probable contender where there's a lot of buzz uh, for Barry and, and for Emerald. Obviously, they have the bona fides now as former uh, nominees or winners in, in Emerald's case. So this is, as we used to say, we should we should probably never say it again but it is quacking like an oscar duck yeah certainly and why wouldn't it i mean look at the talent attached we'll move on to mgm's flint strong this will star brian tyree henry and ryan destiny it's the story of clarissa t-rex shields a boxer from flint michigan who trained to become the first woman in her country's history to win an olympic gold medal in the sport flint strong is directed by oscar nominated cinematographer rachel morrison of black panther and the screenplay for flint strong is by barry jenkins wow 
I didn't realize Barry Jenkins was writing this. A T-Rex for a boxer is a great name, but you have to have no reach, right? That's why you're called T-Rex? Has to be. Yeah, yeah. you have to get inside, yeah. uppercut. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Rachel Morrison, by the way, doing research <laughs> on this. I'm surprised how prolific her directing career has been. I mean, we all think of her as this glass ceiling shattering cinematographer, obviously, but she's been attached to all sorts of prestige TV, broadcast TV shows like Quantico on NBC. She's done the morning show for Apple TV. She did American Crime Story for FX, something called The Mandalorian, which I haven't heard of. So she's been behind the, uh, the camera for a lot of big projects. The Mandalorian actually went with this Andor-styled episode two weeks ago, and it was my favorite thing. I just want, like, two Star Wars folk in an office. That's all I want. I don't really need the jetpacks versus the monsters and the this-is-the-way stuff every episode. Just give me an office spy drama once in a while, and I'm happy. Am I old now? I think I'm old. You know what? The Empire Office crossover sitcom you may have just pitched by accident, I would watch that. Taika, they already got Taika ready to direct something, <laughs> Star Wars. Just do it, man. Disney, are you, you, you listening? Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you're telling me that an Oscar-nominated cinematographer is making a, uh, a tremendous career transition into directing and she's making a boxing movie about the first female boxing American gold medalist, yeah. I'm totally in. That, that's With that, Barry that's, Jenkins then, at, the, at the script, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's a good slate, Michael. That's a sure. good slate from Amazon and a much stronger slate than they've had in a while. We'll move on to Paramount and Apple now. And Paramount, for, there's a reason why Paramount's going first. Let's just say that. Yeah, let's let's talk about, you did you dug into Paramount's history a bit here, but we'll talk about the releases they've already put out thus far this year. 80 for Brady. That's approaching $40 million at the box office as we speak. Scream 6 is unquestionably a success. It's at $140 million right now on a $33 million budget and counting. Uh, the biggest opening, I think, for a Scream ever as well. I think it's the biggest nice. box office Scream's ever made, too, as I, if I remember right. I looked that up and I didn't write it down because I am dumb. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons is going to be up... This weekend, that debuts wide on March 31st, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It's gotten good reviews from what I've seen. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah kind of. It's supposed to be witty and charming and all those other accolades and adjectives there. As far as what Paramount has in the summer, <laughs> Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That's slated for July 14th and uh, something near and dear to Swell's Heart, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem is an animated film from Seth Rogen that's slated for an August 4th debut. We were also be talking about shortly Paramount being in bed with Apple TV for Killers of the Flower Moon, which is a movie you may have heard us preview a time or two here previously. So what does this Paramount slate mean? Obviously, they're intertwined with Apple and Killers of the Flower Moon. Paramount will be distributing uh, but are they kind of handling the awards? Does that make sense? I mean, we just saw Apple win Best Picture for Coda we two gotta years get ago. A we got to get a campaign manager on, and I, I know one who's willing to talk to us, too, and we got to get her on. They do a lot of podcasts, yeah. those campaign managers, Michael. No, that's they true. don't. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do know. I do. I mean, uh, I have a friend yeah. of a friend who happens to know one for, I think it's Showtime and Paramount, as a matter of fact. So, oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, could be something. So I'd then. be curious yeah. if they're about to announce, like, the rest of the param uh, the Apple slate that is because if they're managing Killers of the Flower right. Moon and Napoleon, this would make sense. This is also potentially good news for like Mission Impossible Seven. Does that film have the Oscar goods? We just saw top six should have right. Yeah, I mean I Fallout so. was one of the best movies of that year. I agree. <laughs> and now we have Tom Cruise coming off the heels of a movie which legitimately did have Oscar's legs in Maverick. So, yeah, I mean, this could very well be finally Mission Impossible's year to do something at an Academy Awards show. But here's something you cannot accuse Paramount of. You cannot accuse of of being Oscar grabby because they've eschewed the award season's of recent past, especially during the pandemic, you know, most notably they sold the trial of the Chicago seven. That was an obvious maneuver yep. where they just kind of didn't want to be in that business that year. And it, it made some sense. I would say last year they had Babylon and top gun Maverick. You wonder if they're a little gun shy after Babylon. So I was going into this conversation, wondering if I was going to talk to you, Mike, about paramount kind of backing off and going off and on hot and cold, but then you realize that they will have a big year and they'll really back away from Oscars play. They'll back away from the quote-unquote prestige pictures for a while. In 2016, they had Arrival, Allied, Fences, Silence. Major 
mm. Oscar potential there. Obviously, Arrival and Fences came through, even though the budgets went into Allied and Silence, the Brad Pitt and then the, the Martin Scorsese films. Right. But then they only really had downsizing for the next five years. Wow. Five years, even though Rocket Man and A Quiet Place, and they got some nods and they found some unlikely Oscar contenders over the next three years there. But Paramount... It's kind of picking and choosing when they go hard at it. They've had a lot of success in their past, of course. They've been one of the oldest, most uh, successful studios ever, going all the way back to the to the Godfather days. But, yeah, I mean, in 2010, they had four. Shutter Island, How to Train Your Dragon, The Fighter, True Grit. And then, you know, the next year they'll have a couple, and then the next year they'll have one. So it, you would think that they'd go off and on, but they really – I don't think they, I don't think they operate in in such a way. I think they're operating, kind of beyond the Oscars conversation, and they're trying to make big hit movies, and they're trying to make, you know, and they're trying to tell fun stories. They don't really play the Oscars game as much as they used to in the '70s or '80s, maybe. That's an interesting. I'm trying to think of like big money makers for Paramount, and I'm sure they're there, obviously, but I just can't think of them off the top of my head. But like you would, I mean. They've done well year by year, too, box office-wise, obviously. They're one of the biggest studios out there. So it's kind of peculiar that when we talk about how WB is so, you know, they seem to be hyper-focused on Oscars at least every other year, if not every year, and other major studios are doing the same. And Paramount's kind of, you know, like you say, I'm trying to think of an analogy that's not picking and choosing, so I don't repeat with your words, but I think that's that's the best way to put it. They are picking and choosing their spots here. If they are going to be behind Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon and the Apple Slate, though, which we're about to get into, this makes a lot more sense because then they can de- devote their resources mm. that away. Mm. And that is uh, upcoming on the Apple Slate. But first, we'll talk about Tetris, uh, which is going to be due out this weekend, Michael. Yeah, Taron Edgerton, 80% Rotten Tomato score already for Tetris, 54 reviews there. The meta score isn't great, so the the... 59 meta score is kind of conflicting a little bit, but I'll probably still click play on Tetris this weekend, Michael. What do you mean, probably? I'll click play on Tetris <laughs> this weekend, Michael. This is going to be the one movie you skip out of principle? You haven't skipped a movie in 30 years. <laughs> I, I see a lot. I can't. I have, I have a problem. I have to watch everything. It's not. You keep saying it's a problem. I, I, I'm not like just blowing smoke up. I'm genuinely envious of your ability to sit through all these new movies. I wish I could. I just do not have that in me, and I wish I did. There are some lines that I draw. Like, we have a ghost. <laughs> we have a ghost is a line. Okay. All right. Uh, there was that other line. What was it? Uh, Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein. The Good House. That was a line. Right. I drew that line. All so right. I, I there, there is a line, even though I'm a habitual line stepper. So is it my role now just to just to break down? Because like I would think that other awful horror movies we've done lately used to be lines for you too, and I've kind of broken those for you. Yeah, you already got me thinking that I'm still going to tough it out and see Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Well, you have to. That's going to be a good movie. It's going to be gross, but it's going to be good. Have to. You don't. I don't force you to see all the shit I have to see. (laughs) You you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to force you. I just think it's going to be a good movie and you'll want to see it. I think I'm gonna see it. <laughs> as it looks far, disgusting. As far as Tetris, maybe its Metascore would be better if it had a scalping scene in it. I'm <laughs> like stunned. This isn't a courtroom drama. Stunned because in the two years I've been talking about, like how unique the case of Tetris is and how well I think it plays to a cinematic offering. I thought that's the direction this was going in, but they turned it into this like pseudo spy thriller, which. There's no way this is the real story of Tetris, first of all. But, I, I mean, it's interesting, and I get it's, it's it plays more, and it has a more interesting hook, and you get more people in that way. And, yeah, there is the relevance of what is Russia doing during the Cold War in terms of using Tetris to spy on people in the same way that what is TikTok, China doing with TikTok and the way it's gathering Americans' information, because how dare any company gather Americans' information to sell it if it's not an American company, which seems to be the line our Congress is drawing in the sand. Don't get me started on that. I, I'm I'm curious about how this spy thriller route is going to play in terms of this movie. I think I can understand why it has that 59 meta score, but nonetheless, I mean, I'm still intrigued by it. Yeah, I I'm intrigued even more after that uh, that confluence of it's just world a good, issues. I mean, it's a good court case. Okay, I just I don't they've not Glad they don't seem to be too. touching on that. Yeah. 
It's a good game, man. It's, it's a, a great good game. game. Yeah, great game. It's a good actor. Mm-hmm. It'd be better if it was Elton John at the center of the spy, spy thriller, though. If he was really there? Ta- Taron Egerton playing Elton John trying to get Tetris from the Russians. I would be in for that as mm-hmm. well. Me too. Let's, good. let's do it. All right. <laughs> Ghosted with Anna de Armas and Chris Evans. That's coming to Apple on uh, April, almost at August, April 21st, 2023. Argyle as well, directed by Matthew Vaughn of the Kingsman series, coming out mid-2023. Another spy film, Henry Cavill, who knows a thing or two about being in spy movies, is in this with Ariana DeBose, Sam Rockwell, Samuel L. Jackson, Bryce Dallas Howard, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, and Dua Lipa. Oh, looks a low-key cast there. Is, uh, is... Henry Cavill doing his Bond audition here, do you think? Oh. Would he even want that? I don't know. He might. Of course, who doesn't want James Bond? Everybody's like, no, I don't want it. And then, yeah, but sure. they well, want you can't, it. Well, you can't, you can't say you want it because then you won't get it. That's true. It's like an Oscar thing, I guess, back in the day. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, the Ghosted trailer made me laugh a few times. I am a consumer of corn, though. We've been over this, like my sense of humor. You mean humor. actual, like, corniness, not corn in the way TikTok uses it as a cover for porn, right? I mean corniness okay, is good. what I mean. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think... Because I'm uh, a consumer of TikTok corn. <laughs> so TikTok porn is called corn? They, TikTok has cover words for everything because there's this belief that if you say certain words the algorithm will will immediately like blacklist you or whatever shadow ban you so they've come up with like code words for a bunch of real words like you can't say kill or suicide or murder or anything you have to say unalive like he unalived them as opposed to he killed you know whatever and porn is another one they say corn god damn kids there's your lesson for the day (laughs) what are they doing to me can't they just speak normally, <laughs> King's English? So anyway, you were saying how you're a porn addict? <laughs> the ghosted uh, trailer made me laugh a few times, but I'm almost embarrassed for liking it as much as I do. Which uh, which made you feel worse, laughing at that or watching Ghosts of Girlfriends Past back in the day? Uh, the Ghosts of Girlfriends Past hasn't aged well. That's the correct I've pr- I probably seen that immediately. Mm-hmm. And I probably regretted it almost as immediately. But <laughs> Ghosted looks like a spy movie. It could be fun. And Argyle, Matthew Vaughn, I'll see anything he does. Those Kingsman movies are wacky. The the kick-ass movies I've are nuts. I've still never seen the Kingsman movies. You would enjoy it for that one great scene by Colin Firth. You'll never think of Colin Firth the same way again. Interesting. Uh, I would encourage you okay. to get on Team Firth. That may be enough to, to persuade me to watch it, actually. I don't anyway, know what you just did, but I, I do want to see it now. However, I, I feel like Dungeons & Dragons, in terms of the trailer, uh, I know we're not trying to throw a lot of shade, but Matt Bellany had the best backhanded compliment of, of a, for a while, let's just say, on the town, where he's like, about Dungeons & Dragons, you know, I'm glad that it's supposed to be a great movie, but the problem with it is that it looks like a terrible movie. <laughs> and Ghosted kind of reminds me of that. God That's darn a good it. Assessment. The poster sucks. The trailer kind of sucks. Again, I am a consumer of corny jokes, and I will laugh at it, but I'm worried. I'm worried about Ghosted. It the looks dungeon, like a big money The play. Dungeons and Dragons. I, I have no thoughts on Ghosted, but the Dungeons and Dragons preview, we were both laughing hard at the preview. We were laughing, but the, like the, the, the fast one. sped up movies where they try to show seventy four creatures in like twelve seconds. Yeah, it's a trope. It's a trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like that we've gotten to the point where trailers have tropes too. By the way, we're not spoiled right. in America. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. We uh, we do have a big movie to Speaking discuss. Of on being this. spoiled, yeah, let's talk about it. Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jesse Plemons, Lily Gad- Gladstone, Tantu Cardinal, uh, Robert De Niro, John Lithgow, and directed by some up and somebody, comer. some up and comer. I'm sure he'll he's glad for his shot, uh, Mr. <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah, can't debut. Looks imminent for Killers of the Flower Moon, and now we know that it'll be coming out on October sixth in terms of a limited theatrical release, and then an October twentieth wide release of next year of this year, excuse me, of this fall. Members of the Osage tribe in the United States are murdered under mysterious circumstances in the nineteen twenties, sparking a major FBI investigation involving J. Edgar Hoover. Does Leo play J. Edgar from J. Edgar in this? 
I'm pretty sure no. Well, that's a missed opportunity if I have to say anything about it. All right, so this is obviously the great Oscars hope this year for Apple Slate. Paramount's too, because there's a co-financing deal we already talked about and don't really know much about there. Uh, news just broke, I think it was Monday, that this will debut at Cannes alongside Indiana Jones and the strength of his Depends. It will... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that got you. Come I was on. hoping that would get you. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> that's going to be all year. Until that movie, we're done talking about it. I'm going to have a new one for that all year long. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel just terrible for Harrison Ford. Anyway, uh, I shouldn't because he's getting paid a buttload of money to do that movie, so God bless him. So, a buttload of Depends money. A buttload money. of Depends money. That's true. A d- Depends load of money. Uh, this movie killers of the flower moon will then open limited like mike said on the 6th it'll open wide on the 20th thoughts michael in general it's going to theaters for an exclusive run according to like the business but it's a bit undefined so paramount is distributing and speaking of bellany's the town he just did an episode on how apple films are all going to have this first run in theaters makes sense that this is going to become a billion dollar investment for them that mm-hmm. they're going to seek essentially first run money for literally a billion dollars uh, yeah. that that story broke last week apple is putting a billion dollars into theatrical exclusivity to kind of make its way into hollywood because they want to be a big studio player in not only the movies but in the awards branch and everything they want to be universal they want to be paramount they want to be wb and they're uh, this is their foray into it is this a test run for future business between Paramount and Apple? We've already seen Apple do deals with like A24, et cetera. But is this like, if, if Paramount handles this well, will Paramount then handle the rest of the Apple slate? If Paramount handles this well, will Apple just buy Paramount for Christ's sake? We have Apple as a major player looming in this industry where they seem to be spending a lot of money, but we don't have their numbers in terms of their subscription service numbers, in terms of how they're doing when they when and if they do put their movies in theaters, and now we're going to have like this unavoidable, humongous film event of Killers of the Flower Moon, where they're probably we're probably going to understand what they have for once. So, in terms of th- uh, studio acquisition. Amazon buying MGM is the most recent example. We obviously had Disney buying. Uh, Fox uh, not too long ago, but the purchasors are the companies and the businesses who all, you know, oh, and also we have this multi-million dollar studio attached. You know, Amazon has the Amazon company and also they have Amazon pictures. Apple has everything Apple does. And now they have Apple studios on top of it. Disney has everything Disney and they have Disney studios, even though that's where they started and made it their money, but they obviously have, you know, theme parks and, they are a conglomerate unto themselves at this point. I think if you're going to read the tea leaves, then I would agree with one of the first things you said. I think Apple, you know, if it were the news were to break that Apple's going to buy Paramount, that would not shock me. Right. And I think we might be headed down that road. I could see it. The question I have about Killers of the Flower Moon is, yes, it, it may be an Oscar player, but are, are they good with, are they good with what at the box office? Are they good with, a hundred million at the box office over three weeks. And then they're happy to put killers of the flower moon on their service after like a 30 day window. Are they, because you know, that's just gravy at that point. They don't really need the theatrical money necessarily, even though I'm sure they want it. They, well, it's, wants it. I, I think to me, it's saying that Apple's this is, this is Apple now. I mean, we're, we are a Hollywood studio. We are a first-run theatrical. This will get to our streamer after probably, you know, whatever the, the deadline is, 17 days, 30 days, whatever it is. Well, But they want as much money seen, as possible theatrically, I think. We've seen Paramount go for long windows, especially when the, the, the product is successful. We will see Top Gun Maverick stay in theaters for half the year. Yep. We'll see... Right, And it's delayed on streaming. Even though they have Paramount Plus, they could have put Top Gun Maverick on Paramount Plus at any moment. That's a good point. And that would have been a big booster to it. They but don't this care. is also they- the benefit of Apple TV being as popular as it is, right? Because this is, I mean, even if this debuts, you know, okay, October 20th, it's going wide. It's going to be on Apple TV, you would think, by December, right? Because they want as many, you know, they want to appeal to the Oscars voters. They want as many people to see it and get behind it as they can, don't they? I don't know. I don't know how the streaming service debut is going to be prioritized. I really don't. That's my biggest question. Like, are we going to see, 
are we going to see a platform release lead into a long, wide release? And and think about it. This movie has to make what? It has to make five hundred million to break even, six hundred million. I don't want to get into James Cameron discussions where he would be in an office somewhere scoffing at oh us. Oh my God, Mike! Do I have something to say about him? But keep going. Okay, I just wonder what it has to do in theaters to make enough of a dent for which they're going to keep going yeah, in this regard. That's a, it's a it's a good question. I don't know that I mean we're going to know how long it's in theaters, but is there I mean what's the what what's the ceiling for a I mean this isn't a billion dollar movie. What's the ceiling for this movie? 500? I I think I, 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 here's the problem. If I had been doing my uh, Audible book listening, mm-hmm. I would be up on this. I would be able to tell you what kind of story it is. But I've had Killers of the Flower Moon bought, but I haven't listened to it because I have too many podcasts. This goes back to what I right. revealed last episode. So I have not listened to the book, audio book yet. And I'm not going to read it, of course, because I'm like way too friends with you. you I can no more longer read books. <laughs> We we obviously have this as an Oscars player. I just I don't know what the commercial level of appeal is without knowing the story. Because yes, there's a bo- there's a there's a star power in Leo and De Niro, etc. You have the Oscars component. How much does that matter these days? We're going to talk to Eric Weber about it eventually. I I don't know what the ceiling is. I would guess it's something like The Wolf of Wall Street, but that was the good old days of. The Leo Marty in theaters five hundred plus million dollar appeal days. Is does Leo still have that? Well, that's what I'm, like if you go back and look at Box Office Mojo and just look at the top gross domestically year by year, they're all I mean, it's all adapted. It's all stuff based on IP. Bond movies, Twilight movies, Batman movies, obviously Marvel. Like the original properties tap out around like 200 million domestically which is like you know maybe 500 if you get lucky worldwide yeah we we just saw a couple of big name directors go in for some star-studded ensemble original properties that and they tanked mm-hmm. uh, obviously amsterdam was just not a good movie babylon mm-hmm. was a disaster what does it mean for killers of the flower moon i don't know i mean if it's such a prestige picture does it have to have an uplifting story? Is this like a bummer story? Is this like this really intense murder mystery that's going to draw people in like a Shutter Island? Or is it going to draw people in like a like a silence? I mean, we've seen Scorsese with some big budgets behind him not get his audience. Yeah, and those are well. some of the questions that we're asking. You know, does Marty still have his fastball? You know, what's the dynamic going to be between Leo and De Niro and uh, Lithgow in this? How many sweaters does Leo have to be wearing to become completely unrecognizable like Time said he would be? <laughs> a lot of questions that we have for this movie. Here's what I'm rooting for, though. I'm rooting for a, a, a successful Oscars life and awards campaign for Killers of the Flower Moon. Don't you want because... one more Marty movie to like be a huge Oscars threat? Absolutely. Yeah. And you also have some seriously underrepresented awards yes. season plays here that could be really feel good lily gladstone has been excellent certain women fancy dance etc on, on her the early career there uh tantu cardinal cardinal has had a tremendous career going back to dances with wolves legends of the fall wind river she had a a good part in and i think that she could break through in that supporting actress conversation That'd be great. so it goes beyond the plemons leo conversations but i do think it's fascinating that leo actually turned down the role of the jesse plemons character and he took a a a separate character so i wonder what that means jesse plemons is kind of going to be the main character in this and and leo picked a strange one a a villain i don't know i think it means jesse plemons is dead (laughs) (laughs) maybe i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's what it means. Uh, as far as low-key Apple offerings, they don't stop because we have not only the $200 million Killers of the Flower Moon from Martin Scorsese, but they're getting in the Napoleon biopic business as well this year. Director Ridley Scott starring Joaquin Phoenix. 
late 2023 is the scheduled release date they they, they say on, on wikipedia anyway napoleon also stars vanessa kirby tahar rahim and the film depicts napoleon's rise to power through the lens of his addictive and volatile relationship with empress josephine so you think apple's pissed they took the year off in 2022 from contending for oscars because all they have this year is Girls of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, and the new Steve McQueen movie. Good God. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing fine. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia says there's six, six battle scenes in this movie. Wow. <laughs> That's five more than the 1970 Napoleon movie, Waterloo. Mm. All right, I'm going to be a bit cynical here. Boy, this movie and the last movie could off, could, I mean, they could sound awfully Oscar grabby, No. Yeah, but it's it's a big play. We haven't seen a Napoleon movie since 1970. You're right. You're right. Still, worried. (laughs) He's not the best guy. I'm a little surprised. I don't know if you know this, but Napoleon talked some shit. (laughs) Just going back. I was looking for his quotes for this little shtick I'm about to do, Mm -hmm. but he said some horrid, hard things, so I don't know how Oscar grabby he could be. I don't think this is going to be like this you know, send up of the great man or the complicated man. Oh, I'm sorry. What did Joaquin win his Oscar for? (laughs) Yeah. But it's changing the term Oscar grabby. For, because of Joaquin Phoenix, which is also a good thing. But can I just say this? Joaquin Phoenix is far too tall to play this role. <laughs> I am also five foot eight, and I do not have a Napoleon complex. No, power. not at all. That's why you were fully level headed and calm when you realized how poorly you did on your Oscars prediction this year. Power is my mistress. <laughs> I have worked too hard. Wait a minute. Um, turning into Led Tasso there for a second. I. Uh, I'll be honest. Napoleon was listed as five foot six, and Joaquin's five eight, and I'm also five eight. And Joaquin's you know, five eight. He's only five eight. Me wow. and Joaquin would see eye to eye. Literally. How about that? Well, I tower over both of you. You would tower over both of in us. Stature and prestige. I don't have a <laughs> Napoleon complex either. It's just called an ego. <laughs> I still love Joaquin for showing up. The New York Film Festival in a hoodie yes. and a hat. It was the coolest. Remember when we had Gabriel on? He was talking about Michael Shannon riding the subway, looking the exact same way, like just a hoodie and shades <laughs> and chilling. I love it. That's all I, I hope it. to be. Hey, speaking of people with egos, and uh, getting back to James Cameron here for a second. Hmm. Brother Schmave called me yesterday. Avatar Two is coming to VOD, I guess, and uh, or it's being released on Blu-ray. Whatever the hell it's doing, I'm not paying a dime for it more. <laughs> There's three extra hours of footage. What? Yeah. Avatar 2, the original cut apparently was six hours. No. Come on. Get the fuck out of (laughs) here. There's no way. It has to be like making of featurette stuff. It better be. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have to? I mean, if that movie was three hours and one minute more, I'll lose it. But you don't have to. You could just, like, get over it. I mean... I could. And James Cameron could just not make that movie. (laughs) But we all have our things we have to do in life to feel like we're accomplishing something, Mike. (laughs) I hope the seed bearer is not an Oscars contender. That's all I I hope. It won't be. I don't care what the Academy says. Uh, we got some more Apple contenders, though, here. Spellbound. It's an animated musical. Richard Ziegler, Nicole Don't Kidman. you take it out on Spellbound, <laughs> or maybe you should. I don't know. Javier Bardem, John Lithgow, Nathan Lane. <laughs> Vicky Jensen of Shrek is behind this one. The story is set in a world of magic known as Lumbria, where a young girl, Elion, must break the spell that has split her kingdom in two. A spell that split a kingdom in two and divided a country, huh? Avadaka Trumpa! Oh, now I get it. I did. Okay. Thank you for that last sentence. You clarified. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know. know. All right. A lot of people viewed Apple's Skydance partnership debut of luck as a success. I was not necessarily a fan. So Spellbound, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, suspicious of. We'll see. Obviously, you have some bona fide talent involved, though. Obviously, you have the director of Shrek. I love everything Shrek. I keep wanting to rewatch Puss in Boots, The Last Wish as well because i'm a fan of that universe it's fun and spellbound seems like it's going to be this fairy tale send up and those have done well in the past it'll be better than avatar too 
fine. It will be. Uh, the Beanie Bubble. <laughs> this is a comedy starring Zach Galifianakis, uh, Elizabeth Banks, Gerald Dean, Viswanathan, Sarah Snook. It is dated for 2023, Michael. Yeah, so I was originally guessing that this is based on Zach Biss, and that's the great Beanie Baby Bubble, Mass Delusions <laughs> and the Dark Side of Q. And it is, actually. Uh, there's a Wikipedia page about it. If this leads to Galifianakis and Geraldine Viswanathan dueling it out over getting their hands on the last chocolate, the moose beanie baby at a Hallmark in 1995, <laughs> I can't tell you how in for this I am. Absolutely. And by the way, this is one of those movies that is like a Hollywood dartboard of just randomness attached to it. If you just throw like random names coming up because... And I guess once and for all, it'll pr- prove how Hollywood just keeps making the same movies over and over by the same people. Damien Kulash is a co-director of this movie. You'll okay. know him better as the lead singer of the band OK Go, which was the guys who did the oh. music video where they danced between yeah. the treadmills. Yeah. The other co-director is Damien Kulash's wife, a.k.a. Al Gore's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there uh, you go. I did. I don't have a lot to comment there, but I did see a documentary about the Beanie Babies and the bubble, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. So I could say that much. But there you go. There's some input from us both. Okay, Flora and Son. This will be a Sundance player that Apple bought for, I believe, 15 million. John Carney is the director. Uh, he's also done Once and Sing Street. Joseph Gordon-Levitt stars. What do you think of Flora and Son? Not much out there about it. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I wonder if Joseph, If I mean, do we know anything about if this is going to be a, a singing movie? Is it a musical or is it oh, just? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. A musical. All right. I think. Has to be, right? Didn't we, didn't we cover this at Sundance? I don't remember either. I don't know. We didn't see it at Sundance, but. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Blitz. <laughs> Blitz. Hist- <laughs> a historical drama from Steve McQueen. Of 12 Years a Slave, Shame, etc., etc., Widows, Saoirse Ronan, Harris Dickinson, Stephen Graham. Blitz follows the stories of a group of Londoners during the events of the British capital bombing in World War II. Yeah, so this sounds like another epic here. Uh, McQueen hasn't been in feature-length theatricals uh, since 2018's Widows. He's worked on Small Acts, which you really like, Mike. He's worked on the miniseries oh, yeah. Uprising as well, so he's done kind of prestige TV and streaming TV work for the last few years. Okay, so he's actually kind of expanded his scope then with the TV work. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Twelve Years a Slave was 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 a was an epic, yeah, and, and he made that epic out of what was probably not a huge budget, and this is probably a huge budget, is my guess. So this is a large scale battle film. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see him tackle this. Mm-hmm. Let's go. We have Fingernails, Michael. This is a sci-fi romance starring Jesse Buckley, Riz Ahmed, Jeremy Allen White, Luke Wilson, Annie Murphy of Schitt's Creek. And the premise of Fingernails reads, a woman begins working at an institute that works to determine if the romance in a given couple is genuine. Mm. I've never watched a moment of the show Severance, so I'm just going to assume this is a severance. I don't think this is a severance. I've seen four episodes of severance. I got to get back to it and finish it. They're kind of bummers, but I know people love the finale. So I'm going to believe film Twitter and watch it. Fingernails is a strange title. Let's just go there. Is it a comedy with this cast? It could be. Annie Murphy's always funny. Where's Ahmed? Jeremy Allen White could be funny. He's one of the shameless, yeah, but I don't know. Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmed say to me that this is going to be something serious. Severance is not funny so far. Right. I'll just say that much. Anyway, is, Apple... what, Didn't Vanilla Sky have a similar presence or preface? Wasn't there something about relationships and being able to judge them prematurely in Vanilla Sky or Mike just completely remembering that movie wrong? You're trapped in yeah. a very certain time, and that certain time <laughs> is 2003. <laughs> I think Vanilla Sky was a 99 movie, wasn't it? Yeah, but you saw it in 2003. <laughs> it's true. No, probably So I'm still right. Exactly. Between 2003 and 2006, you're trapped there. You're... The last time I was happy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we have a couple documentaries coming out from Apple. Still a Michael J. Fox story. Stephen Curry underrated. I'm looking forward to both of those. They've been reviewed at uh, film festivals already, so... Uh, yeah, they they they've gotten uh, gotten raves and Apple's got a they got a lot of cool stuff. I mean, both of these slates from Amazon and Apple today with Paramount and MGM, you know, involved, 
These are some serious Oscar slates, I would say. Yeah, like you said on last episode, it seems like we're entering a year where it seems every week we're going to have something big or something entertaining to keep us, whether it's uh, playing in our homes or going out to our local theaters. So that's the good news here. And you know, as always, uh, we do want to know what intrigues you most, dear listener, about this slate. What has, what does Apple, what does uh, Amazon, MGM, or Paramount have to offer that you are most looking forward to? What do you think has the most Oscars legs? And what do you think we're kind of underselling or overlooking a bit? Uh, we do want to hear from you. Leave us those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app. If you appreciate what we do here, if you would not mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out a ton. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far uh michael the yips are going to continue i imagine uh so tell the good people what's coming next and let's have some words of wisdom to end on well it is wise not to say the term yips because uh (laughs) that is something ted lasso taught me and i agree with him Mm -hmm. uh but uh football is life is is another you know phrase of wisdom we've always uh, said that that here yep same episode so i i I think it's wise to watch uh episode three of ted lasso season three episode three uh that'll be tonight i also think uh, it is wise to look forward to two more episodes where we kind of go over the pictures this is our pictures portion of the year in preview series where we're getting you guys ready for the 96 it'll culminate in some way too early 100 percent accurate picks i think we're going to try and talk to a few guests before and after the 100 percent accurate mm-hmm. picks episode and that's exciting for us as well we'll kind of do some early year specials uh that will run back from previous seasons of mmo and and we'll try to maybe i'll talk about us like we're a tv series now previous seasons yeah last season the season (laughs) recap of mmo we don't have seasons don't do that because that just means i gotta think of cliffhangers for us to end on and i will do it (laughs) yeah well that'll be a new segment of the end of show telling you i'm pregnant (laughs) (laughs) and you're the father (laughs) (laughs) let's just see how it goes Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't watch enough TV, but I'm I'm catching up. I am watching some TV to catch up. Abbott Elementary. I'm binging right now. I'm 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 going at Wednesday. Are you still in the married with children nonsense? I'll tell you what I've been doing Which, is either married mm-hmm. with children or uh, uh, Dimension Twenty. I've gone okay. went back to a dropout. Dropout. Listen, I, I know I I pitch dropout a lot on this. Dimension Twenty is great. I hope we have Brennan on again. I'm, I'm I, hopefully we will this year. Um, Good. Game changer. Sam Reich has a show. It's a game show, but it's a different show every game show, and the contestants are all college humor, you know, adjacent or cast members. But he changes what the game show is every show, and he doesn't let them know ahead of time what type of game show they're going to be playing. It is so good and so well written. It's so funny. Like one show was they had uh, Brennan Liu and Siobhan Thompson in the green room before the show starts. And Sam's like, all right, I'm going to go down and set up. And they didn't know they were on camera already. And it turned out he set up an elaborate escape room in the green room. And they had to like figure it out for themselves as they go. Like it's so, so good. It's so good. And so just well thought out. I think Dropout's like five bucks. You can. There is no better value in streaming than College Humor's Dropout. I swear to you, I, well, I, that'll I'm, be the last time I mention it for a little bit. I'm very impressed with people who can do that much, you know, entertainment. Yeah, entertaining without a 30-page Google document in front of them. <laughs> so good for them. <laughs> I, on the other hand. Have to write down my Napoleon co- uh, uh, quotes and yell them into the microphone this way. You did well with that, though. That played, I thought. That was the tamest one of his quotes. It was still a little edgy, by the way. He's a bad, oh, Jesus. Not a good guy, huh? Not a good guy. Well, Not a good guy. Well. <laughs> There's the words of wisdom. Napoleon, not a good guy. That's for sure. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come quote Napoleon with us. Get ready oh, for the year in <laughs> movies with us as well. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.